Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We are talking about preparing a dwelling place. And if I sound a little rough this morning, you should have been here earlier. This is a huge miracle from where it was at 4.30 this morning, so I'm just giving God all the glory. When the thought came to my head, you will not preach today, there is no way you will be able to talk. And I said, I have other plans in Jesus' name. And the Lord gets all the glory for it, and even as we went through the first service, I felt more strength coming into it. So we're going to talk about preparing a dwelling place. Are you ready? All right, here at the Rhodes, we get excited about our Bibles. Why? Because we believe that it is life to those who find it. We believe it's health to all their flesh. So come on, let's get excited. Mount Carmel, Carlinville, let's open up our Bibles. Exodus chapter 29. I don't have a good woo, so I just had to let you take care of that one today. Exodus chapter 29. Mine would have been more like a woo. I woke up a little Barry White this morning. Some of you like don't even know who Barry White is. Shame on you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Not shame on you. Exodus chapter 29. Let's stay focused. (laughs) Sorry, I've got too many Barry White songs going through my head right now. Now I've got to, Father, redeem my mind in Jesus' name. Verse 42 (laughs) says, This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord where I will meet you to speak with you, and there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Yes, it will. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of the Rhodes Church and will be their God. It's not sacrilegious to insert our name into Scripture. We believe that he was absolutely, he was the one who dwelt among the children of Israel. But how many know sometimes in Scriptures you insert your name where you believe that Jesus is talking to you? And so I'm just believing that the Lord wants to dwell among the children of the Rhodes Church. Does he want to dwell among other churches? Absolutely. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, he wants to dwell with them. Verse 46, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt and I may dwell that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, have your way. Come and dwell. Jesus, I pray for fire on the word today. It will not be about excellence of presentation, but it will be about power and demonstration. I have no gift without your anointing, Lord. So we just praise you that you move today that people will see Jesus, will encounter you, Lord, for your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Five phases of dwelling with God or abiding where he is. Here they are, the five. Number one, enter. Two, encounter. Number three, evacuate. Sorry, I skipped one. Engage. Two is engage, encounter, evacuate, and endure. So we want to talk about all five of those. We've been through the first two. Enter is the door. We said the door is who? The door is Jesus. Jesus is the door. And if Jesus is the word, then the word is the door we enter through to dwell where God is on any situation. How do I need to handle any situation? Go through the word, look up some scripture. That's what God wants you to do. Amen. Amen. Go through the door. 
go through the door. Well, I'm just making sure. Because we in our humanity, oftentimes we want our need to be the door. We want our want to be the door. We want begging to be the door. We, we, want, we want entitlement to be the door. God's not into entitlement because he says, I am no respecter of persons. Whoever comes to me in faith, they're going to receive. So the Bible's the door. Let's go on to that. Number two is engage, had the gears. You can check that out. Phase two, engaging is where we engage. We get locked into what the word says about our situation, and we receive and believe it and nothing else. That's what we do when we engage. Okay, that's phase two. Number three, phase three is the encounter or the glory. Look there in verse 43. It says, and there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. The word sanctified means set apart, dedicated to service, loyalty to God. Glory is the weight, presence, manifestation of God. So he says the, the tabernacle, and when I say tabernacle, I want you to think about a container. So here's what I want to illustrate today a little bit. A container what God is saying that the container is set apart, it's sanctified by the glory that's in it. Otherwise, it's just a container. And the tabernacle or the temple is just a container. But when God fills something with his presence, the container now changes in value because of the contents that are in it. Does that make sense? In the Old Testament... The tabernacle or the temple was the container of the glory of God. It was only in the Holy of Holies. In the New Testament, now we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now the glory of God comes to abide in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are, you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Here's what the encounter phase is about. The encounter phase is about God filling containers with his presence. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a container. Get ready to be filled. Look at your other neighbor that you avoided the first time and say, you're a container. Get ready to be filled. <laughs> you were hoping I wouldn't do too. You've been avoiding them the whole time. You're welcome. Now let's turn, now let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. So what happens when the glory fills a container? Let's see what happens. What happens when the presence of God fills a container? Second Chronicles chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. There's a couple things that I want you to make note of. I will make sure and point those out to you. If you're taking notes, your sermon notes are available there in your worship guide or on the YouVersion Bible app, but I'll give you some tips as we go along. Verse 11, and it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. Man, that's a whole message right there. Never mind. Keep reading. Verse 12. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, if you're looking for a J word, you're welcome, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, the one that we exit, the parking lot, we exit out the east end. <laughs> Meditate on that. Clothed. In white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Underline 120 priests. Is it weird that he numbered them? He didn't say, oh, there's about 100. 
No, he said there were 120 priests. Notice he didn't, he didn't number the Levites. 120 priests. That's going to be important to know for the test later on. Verse 13, don't you wish I was a teacher that told the answers like that ahead of time? Verse 13, indeed it came to pass when, everybody say when. When the trumpeters and singers were as one to make how many sounds? To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. This is talking about in the tabernacle or we could say in the church. Here's what we want to do. Here's a goal that we have here in the church is for us to come together and make one sound to be heard in doing what? Not just singing songs, praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. When they did this, notice what it says, when the trumpeters and singers and when they lifted their voice, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. When they did this, that the house, the temple, the container, the church, the house of the Lord was filled, everybody say filled, filled with a cloud so that the priests, how many were there? 120, good job, students. So that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Isn't that amazing? They're just having church. And they began to be as one to make one sound. What happened when there's that kind of unity? In worshiping the Lord and not paying attention to your neighbors and what they're wearing, not worried about the temperature of the room or what song we're singing. But they just began to have one sound in thanking and praising and magnifying God. They didn't look and see who was raising their hand, who was doing what. They just had one mind for one goal. When they did that, all of a sudden, this cloud filled the room. And when this cloud filled the room, the priests, the 120 priests, could not continue ministering. That word continue in the Hebrew is a word that literally means to stand. So what it means is when the glory of God, when the cloud came into the room, the ministers, the 120 ministers, actually could not stand up. They were knocked over in the presence of God. Yeah. So you're like, have you ever been in a church service where you see people fall down under the power and the presence of God? You're like, I don't believe in that. Here it is in the Bible. When the glory of the Lord filled the room, they could not even stand because of the cloud. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So here's what I thought about that when I read it. I thought, okay, that filled, the word filled there in the Hebrew is a word that means to make full or fill up in a container or a contained area. So they could not continue doing what they normally did because his presence had filled the container. When the glory of God, when the presence of God comes in a container, that container is not able to do what it normally does. Something changes on the inside, and that affects the outside. I'm going to get into this next week on evacuate, but I want to make sure we understand. When God fills something, that filling has an impact that goes outward. 
And this is what God's saying. I want to fill a container so much so that that container will not stay the same. Oh, this is going to be good. Now let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, just a couple pages. Second Chronicles chapter 7, look at verse 1. We're filling some containers today with the glory of God. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. What came down from heaven? Is that not strange to you? Sometimes we read the Bible and we just read things and we just go on, blah, blah, blah. Fire fell from the sky. Hello? That doesn't happen all the time. Have any of you seen fire fall from the sky? Lightning. I'm talking about fire. It says fire came down from heaven. That's pretty cool. And it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and then the glory of the Lord filled the temple, filled the tabernacle, filled the container. And look what happened in verse 2. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because, of the, glory, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house or filled the container. So imagine, with, if you will, that now the priests are outside. And the glory of God, the fire comes down, the glory fills the temple so much that the priest can't go in. It's full. There's no place to go. I thought, Lord, what are you saying? He said, when my presence fills a container, things that used to get in can no longer get in. The priests represent humanity or the flesh. And when the glory of God fills the space, Impurities cannot get in because it is filled up with God. This is where God's teaching us. If I'm struggling in an area of my life, my focus should not be what I need to get out. It should be on what I need to get in. If I get more of him in and I get filled up with him, there's no room for other stuff. I just need to be filled with the presence of God. And the presence of God starts pushing out things that aren't allowed anymore. So it's what happens. They couldn't even enter. They couldn't even get in there. So verse 3 says, when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, making sure you emphasize that, and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So in the Old Testament, the tabernacle of the temple was the main container, right? And when the glory of God came in, in this case, the people were on the outside looking in. But in the New Testament, the glory of God, the presence of God doesn't want to be, doesn't want us to be on the outside looking in. He wants to come on the inside of us and begin to work out. So let's, we see it in the Old Testament, how the glory, fire, okay, so here's two things out of Chronicles I want you to remember for the test. Number one, how many priests were there? 120 priests. What came down from heaven? Fire. So we see fire coming down from heaven 120 priests and fire consuming burnt offerings and sacrifices and glory of God filled the people, filled the house, filled the container. All right, now let's go to Acts chapter 1. That's the old, that's the OT. 
Look at the NT, Acts chapter 1. You're like, that's really great, Chad, but that's the Old Testament. Great, wonderful. Let's look at the New Testament. Maybe we have some containers that God may want to fill. Acts chapter, <clears throat> Acts, yeah. Acts chapter 1, <laughs> verse 4, are you with me? says, and being assembled together with them, he, who's he? Jesus. Jesus commanded them. Wait a minute. Commanded sounds like a strong word for somebody so passive as Jesus. <laughs> Jesus commanded them. I, I, I want to emphasize that because we need to understand the importance of this passage. Jesus is getting ready to go. And he gives some instructions to his disciples here at the end. And he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. In other words, he said, I've already taught you about this promise, so wait for the promise that I told you about. What is the promise that he told you about? In Luke chapter 24, I believe it's in verse 49, in that neighborhood, it's talking about that you be endued. When the promise of the Father comes upon you, you will be endued with power. The promise is the Holy Spirit. So he says, go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. Don't go anywhere till you receive the promise. Verse 5, this is important. For John truly baptized with water, that's good, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice the distinction Jesus made, it's in the red, between the baptism of John and baptism with the Holy Spirit. All right? He said, you've been baptized by John, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does that distinction mean? Let's go, hold your finger there, and you go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Do a quick Bible study. Got to be ready. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Talking about distinction Jesus made between John's baptism and baptism with the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some what? Some disciples. disciples. Who are disciples? Disciples are followers of Jesus. These are believers. These are people that are born again. They're already saved. They're disciples. You're not called a disciple if you're not born again. Verse 2, and Paul says to these disciples that he found, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you got born again, when you got saved, did you receive the Holy Spirit? With a puzzled look, they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. In other words, what are you talking about, Willis? That's old, man. Come on, different strokes. Come on, children of the 80s. Where's... We've not so much as heard where there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, when, what were you baptized? In other words, they said, we've never heard about this Holy Spirit. But we're disciples of Jesus. And Paul's wanting to investigate, said, well, what's going on? So he says, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Oh, hang on, ding, ding. That's the same thing that Jesus said over here in Acts chapter 1. They said, we were baptized into John's baptism. And then Paul said, okay, okay, I got you. I figured out what's going on. John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. That's good. Saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So there is a baptism of the repentance. 
Then once you're born again, being baptized, immersed, Romans chapter 6, into salvation, dead to the old life, raised into newness of life. He said, that's good. But then, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 and all. So notice the distinction between the two baptisms. There's the baptism of John into repentance, and there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit that Jesus would do. And Paul said to these disciples, have you received the Holy Spirit when you were born again? And they said, we don't, we don't know about the Holy Spirit. He said, well, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. And he immersed them into the name of the Lord Jesus, and they received the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. So now let's go back to Acts chapter 1. Just laying a foundation for something here. Look at verse 8. So we're talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit as a container in the New Testament. Verse 8, but you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Notice Jesus is talking to the disciples. Are these disciples already saved? They're already saved. They're already going to heaven. But he says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. All right. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis, which means miraculous ability, might, or strength, force. We'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Now let's jump to verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they entered... This is in the upper room. They went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with what? With one accord. Doesn't that sound familiar? Remember in Chronicles, they were all in one accord? They were in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. I want to insert here. For us to pray to be a dwelling place for the presence of God, we have to catch the heart of dwelling together in prayer. For the church to experience the glory of God, it will not happen until the church builds a strong culture of coming together in prayer. That's what the Bible is. said so they were together in one accord in prayer and supplication. Verse 15 and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. The number of names was about 120. Huh? Don't you love numbers? Is it coincidence <laughs> that there were 120 people in the upper room and there were 120 people, 120 priests that were mentioned when the glory of God fell in the Old Testament? And there's 120 people that just so happened to be in the upper room I'm just saying that's pretty cool. 120. So when people tell you that the Holy Spirit only fell on the 12 disciples and they were special people, that's when the last apostle died, that's when the gifts of the Spirit died off, point them to the Bible and say there were 120 people in the upper room, not 12 apostles. There's no scriptural support anywhere where the gifts of the Spirit died off with the disciples. Anyone who tries to teach that cannot support it with the Bible. 
Can't do it. They stayed. These were 120 people. It's talking about Jesus, his mo- or Jesus's mother, his brothers, sisters. All these people were there. All of them encountered the Holy Spirit. All right, now go to chapter 2. So 120. Look at verse, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one you notice the unity again? You picking up this similarity to what happened in Second Chronicles? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it, it did what? It filled parts of the house, filled the whole house. What did the glory of the Lord do in the tabernacle? It filled the entire tabernacle where the priest could not even enter in. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. So they're in this upper room praying. And all of a sudden, picture this, like it's happening right here. Oh, Jesus, let it happen here. Happen here just like it did there, Lord. This is our prayer. That we get in one accord. Come on, church family, that we get in one accord. That we get so tired of just having songs and sermons and checking the box of attending church, but we hunger. I'm telling you, friends, there is more to God. There is more, Carlinville. There is more, Mount Carmel. There is more than just attending church. There is more to this walk with Jesus. There's more. Mm. And so they're in this room, and all of a sudden this sound comes from heaven. It's like a rushing wind. <laughs> Filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of Fire. what? Fire. What came from heaven in the Old Testament? Fire. What came from heaven in the New Testament? Fire. Fire came down, divided tongues as of Fire. That divided just means individual, flames of fire, and sat upon each of them. How many of them were included in this process of the 120? All of them. It sat upon each of them. Nobody was left out, left out, because verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Check. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They're in prayer. In one accord, seeking after the face of God, and all of a sudden, the presence of God comes in the room. They were all filled with what? The Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit did not just fill the room this time. Did you catch that? Let me go back, because I think you missed it. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. Old Testament. Old Testament stops at the building. It filled the room they were in. So as long as they were in that room, but if they left the room, it was there. Are you tracking with me? It filled the house in verse 2. But then he said, but it's New Testament. Verse 3. And then there appeared to them individual fire. 
And it came and filled each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. The container. God doesn't want to stop with the room. He wants to fill this container. You, individually. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or gave them the words. So they received the Holy Spirit. And as they received the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit started to give them words to speak out that were not their known language. And they began to pray in tongues. Just like these people in Acts, because then some people will say, well, that was only in Acts chapter 2 because it's only to speak the language out for those people that could hear it and spread the gospel. Well, what about those people in Acts chapter 19 we just read? There was no people there hearing the gospel in their own language. They just began to pray in tongues. They began to speak in tongues. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand the filling of the Holy Spirit. God, the glory of God in us is for today. There is more than just trying to do it by being a good moral person. We want to be filled with the glory of God. I'm hungry to be filled with the glory of God. I'm I'm wanting, see, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood we talked about last week? Do you remember when Jesus said, when she touched her, he felt something go out of him? If it went out of him, where did it go into? It went into her. What went into her? Power. Dunamis. Dunamis went into her. This power went into her. And so as I began to think about this this week, I was, I was reading this scripture, and I'll, I'll just read it out to you, because I was praying and meditating over this, and it's Luke chapter 9, it's verse 1. It says, then he, this is talking about Jesus, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power, dunamis, and authority, exousia, over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Gave them power and authority. He says, go out and preach the kingdom and I want you to cast out demons and cure diseases. You're like, Wait a minute, I can't do that. I know. That's why he fills you with the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I felt like God wanted to do today. He wanted some containers to come and be filled. Here's what I saw. I saw a spigot, the handle lifted up, water just gushing out of it. And I saw people all around with containers, empty containers. And they were all thirsty. They were dry. They were wanting more of God. They didn't know what to do. They just knew they were hungry for more. They didn't know, they couldn't even put their finger on it. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know whether there even was a Holy Spirit. They never heard a sermon on the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about speaking in tongues. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure why I stand on that. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. I just know that I'm thirsty. I just know that what I have is not enough. And here's that water coming out and with the empty container, all I've got to do to be filled is take a step over and get my container under and let God fill it with what he wants to give me. But some, 
be standoffish and say, I'm not sure if I want to, I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm not sure I want to be around that. I'm not sure, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not praying for a church that people will be comfortable with. That may sound odd. That may sound um, counterproductive to church growth. But I know this in my heart, you're not here for me. Nobody's coming for me. You're coming because you want to experience the power and the presence of God. That's why people are coming. That's people are coming. I can't do for you what you need done, but he can. And I believe God's wanting to fill some containers today. I believe people need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because remember, being saved, being born again, being... That we're not talking about that being a one-time event. That's something just entering into a relationship with Jesus. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. Oh, I was filled with the Holy Spirit back in 2000. We need continual fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I could walk you through Acts where the same people were filled with the Holy Spirit more than once. Why is that? Why do I need to be filled again? Because my container is supposed to be taken outside of the walls and poured out into the lives of other people that God brings across my path. When I go to school, when I go to work, and someone comes up to me and I say, hey, how you doing? They say, well, actually, I'm not doing very good. This is going on or that's going on. You're like, oh, I got something for you. I got some dunamis on the inside of me. Let me pray for you. Let me talk to you. Let me give you the person that's on the inside. I've got to, he's filled me so that I can pour out. And then I keep pouring out, and he keeps filling me up. I keep pouring out, and he keeps filling me up. I want the filling of the Holy Spirit. So my prayer is for us as a church is that we will hunger for the glory. And I, I mean, I'm, I'll tell you, I was raised in conservative denominational, so I feel the nervousness. I feel I was there. I was, I was in that place where I would not do any of that. I was thinking about this morning as I was standing up here worshiping and I was thinking about what I was going to preach on and, and I was thinking there was a time in my life, you guys don't know me then, a time in my life that you couldn't have paid me any amount of money, one, to be standing in the front because I don't hide well in a room. I don't want anybody looking at me. Number two, to raise my hands in church. You couldn't have paid me. You couldn't have paid me to do a lot of things that I'm doing today. But somebody filled me. And when he did, he started to push out some things. He pushed out some fears. He pushed out some insecurities. He pushed out some shame. He pushed out some condemnation. He, he pushed out some guilt. And I'm still a work in progress, friends. He's still work, He's still filling me and finding corners and saying, hey, Chad, can I, can I fill that spot? I'd, I'd like to fill that area of your container. I'd like to fill that because there's something there that you kind of tuck behind there. I'd like to push that out. Let me fill you to overflowing. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.